All right, turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. The longest psalm in the book. And if you have ever read through the Bible and you thought you were making a good pace and then you came upon Psalm 119, you probably had a bad day because there's 176 verses in Psalm 119. The sermon today is going to be six hours long. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I decided structurally that it's going to be a thematic sermon, so I took four themes from Psalm 119. That's how it's going to be formatted. This is a song, it's a song, about God's Word. The psalmist wrote a song about God's Word. And I wonder what your story is with God's Word. My my story is when I was a child, I was raised in the Catholic faith, and so you know, when I when I when I was very young, someone gave me a Catholic Precious Moments Bible. And I had it, you know, on my shelf, on my bed. I you know, in the 80s, I had a waterbed. Anybody else have a waterbed growing up in the 80s? And so I had my Catholic Precious Moments Bible white with the little cartoons on my book or on my bed bookshelf. And then I would also go to like backyard Bible clubs and and, uh, vacation Bible school at the local Christian assembly. So I kind of learned some of the verses, you know, because they'd give me candy. I was into candy. Uh, My childhood, though, I was, you know, not very acquainted with God's word, not a believer. And then in middle school, I remember my friends got into witchcraft. So I went to the Payless Hills Library and stole a witchcraft book. Now that was on my bookshelf next to my Precious Moments Bible. Boy, didn't that act out the temptation that I was facing. High school got really obstinate and hostile to the faith and started challenging Christians on their faith. And then in college, really got serious, took a world religions class, read about other faiths. And I remember getting so upset about God and the Bible. And I remember I was arguing with my friend. We were under the driveway. I just shoved the Bible across the driveway. But God was after me. And so later... That summer, I got saved, surrendered my life to Christ, and then I remember starting going to church, and a dear old saint lady in the church saw me, long hair, black leather trench coat, and she's like, do you have a Bible? And I'm like, I'm not bringing my precious moments Bible. (laughs) She's like, I'll give you one. So she gave me this study Bible. I'm like, study Bible? What is this? So then I had a study Bible, and then I would eventually become a pastor and go to Moody Bible Institute and study the Bible at a professional level and get a Bible degree and then become a preacher of God's Word every weekend. That's my story with the Bible. What's your story with the Bible? Where have you been? You know, do you feel like somebody force-fed you the Bible growing up, or do you feel like you never really knew the Bible? And where are you at right now with the Bible? What is your relationship with this book? How do you feel about it Do you read it? Do you trust it? This is a song about God's Word, and it's going to cause us to ask, where are we at with this book? And so in Psalm 119, you'll see that not only um, are there verses, but there there are these like words that lead in, and that's because it's it's arranged according to the Hebrew alphabet. So each letter kind of gets a section, right? So it says this, "'Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord.'" Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. 
Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame. Having my eyes fixed on all your commandments, I will praise you with an upright heart. When I learn your righteous rules, I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. Okay, so we see in the lead in here a person who wants to live God's way but feels like often he fails. Doesn't want God to condemn him. And this is what the whole psalm is about. Teach me your ways. Help me to stay, you know, in, and, and then when I mess up, don't forsake me. And then the first kind of uh, comparison contrast we see here in Psalm 119 is this. Number one, jot this down. Walk, don't wander. Walk, don't wander. The command is to walk the path of God's word. And the warning is don't wander off the path. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law. So walking in his ways, verse 3, the idea of your direction, your pursuit, the, the guiding, the twists and turns follow the contours of God's word. That's what it means to put God's word into practice. We are challenged in the New Testament to walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord. So it stands for all of our life choices. Walk, don't wander. Don't wander. Applying God's word in every area of our lives is likened to walking a safe trail. Refusing to apply God's word, wandering away from God, is likened to walking off a safe trail onto a deadly path in the Bible. Here is a picture of a safe trail. And when we follow God's word, we are walking on a safe trail. Here's a picture of a perilous trail. When we walk away from God's word, things get fatal. Here's another picture of a safe trail. And when we follow God, we're just on the path. And when we walk away from God, we are on a treacherous trail. And danger all around us, we are called to walk, don't wander. There are, there are other verses from Psalm 119 that I'll put up on the screen now that tie into this theme. Verse 21, you re we'll put these up on the screen for you. You rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. Insolent, they're proud and defiant. This, this reflects people who should know better. They know God's word. They know what the Bible teaches. And they proudly, you know these people. These people sat next to you in church growing up. Maybe they're your family members. They learned just as much of the Bible as you did. And what did they do? They closed their fist and they walked away. They're insolent. And, and they are accursed if they remain out from under the authority of God's word then God is against them. They've wandered from your commandments. Psalm 119 verse 32 says, I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. So there are some who are wandering off and then there are some who they found it and they are sprinting to obey God. I love that picture. I, I'm a runner, you know that, and we moved recently. We moved not too far away, you know, five miles down the road, but I, I had my running trail along the Cal Sag. Nice straight trail no stoplights or intersections. I could run 13 miles all the way out and back without any cars or traffic. Well, now in our new neighborhood, even though I love it, my old trail is gone. 
And so I tried running like around the neighborhood, no sidewalks, and there were school buses and there's three houses under construction and dump trucks coming through and a poor woman with too big of a dog that really wanted to bite me and she was, and it was not a fun run because I'm no longer on my little safe trail anymore. So the idea of finding a safe path and running in it is what God calls us to do with his word. Verses 59 to 60 say this, When I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. Meaning when you look into God's word, it's not always going to amen your life choices. Oh, you're doing that right, and that right, and that right. Well done. You did it all right on your own. No, when you look into God's word, you're going to be like, "Uh uh-oh, I turned left. God's word said turn right. So what do you have to do? You have to turn your feet, right, repentance, and get in line with God's word, turning away from sin. And then uh, in, in verse 60, it says, I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. So my son Jared's playing football this year, first year. He's super excited, but he's a freshman, so he's not playing. So we went to their first game two Fridays ago, and uh, the Chicago Christian Knights were ready into the huddle, out of the huddle, snapped the play, you know, ran it. The other team, not so ready messing up even getting on and off the field people walking no hustle no hurry constantly flagged penalty after penalty the final score was like 45 to to 7 we like blew them out of the water and it was clear that they were really not hustling they were not into it they were not running the plays that they had been given And this idea of, I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments, God tells us what to do, break the huddle, and we we run the play. We're out there doing what God has commanded us to do. And then we all love Psalm 119, 105, right? Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So I'm walking this trail, and it's a safe, well-lit trail through a hostile and perilous world. But if if I follow God's word... This, this is the light. This right here, whoop, <laughs> whoa, there's a snake. Okay, there we go. ha, there's a big pit there with, with spikes on the bottom. This, this is lighting our path. And if we don't have this, if we don't have this, we're in total darkness. We will not find the safe way through this life onto glory forever. We won't find it without God's word. That's what we are given here to begin with. Walk, don't wander. There are a lot of words here used for the Bible or God's word. They're all synonyms. So the word law means especially what Moses wrote down, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible and the Ten Commandments, the law. The testimonies, that word means witness of God's high standards and blunt warnings. The testimonies, God has shared stories of his high standards and his blunt warnings. The word precepts means the specific teachings on specific topics. Commandments emphasizes the authority of the text given to us. Ordinances means judgments or decisions of God that reveal his person and his will. And then there's a few general words like word and promises. All of these are synonyms that make up the words, the family of words for the Bible. And so we need to walk in all of it, right? So that we can see where we're going 
in this life and we're not walking blind. How are you doing? Would you say right now your life generally is aligned with God's commands, that you are walking in a manner that is worthy of the Lord, or do you feel like you've wandered away? Do you feel like maybe you've never learned what God's Word says about things, and you don't even know what God expects, and you're just kind of in the dark? You're new to this. Well, hey, walk, don't wander. Okay, so then moving on, another theme we find in Psalm 119 is this, treasure, don't trash. Treasure God's Word, don't trash it. We're walking in it, and, and another recurring theme is that God's word is treasure, and we should value it and love it. It's not trash, but many people treat it like it's nothing. So treasure it. God's word has eternal value, and when we disregard it or ignore it or tamper with it, it shows that we just think it's trash. A few verses that we could share on this would be verse 14. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. Now that's quite a thought. All riches. That is, can you imagine? How much do you estimate the value of God's word in your life? Well, if you were to make a giant mountain pile of all riches, that about does it. When I was growing up, we watched a cartoon called DuckTales. And Scrooge McDuck had a money bin. And he would just go to his money bin periodically and swim in it. He would just swim in his money. Swim in it in his money bin. We all wanted a money bin to swim in. Uh, that idea of having great riches should be how you estimate and, and appraise the value of this book. It's like all riches. In verse 37, it says this, Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. So here's the counterpoint here. We, instead of looking at the treasure of God's word, we look at worthless things. We can sin with any part of our body, but with our eyes, we can open our eyes to worthless things. Worthless can mean vain, worthless can mean vulgar, but, but these are worthless things begging for our eyes every second. So what are we looking at? Treasure or trash? And are we making the terrible mistake of switching them around, thinking what the world is throwing our way is the treasure and what God has handed down is trash? Check it out. Here's a picture of treasure. And I would bet that if that was set out before you, you would pick that over, here's the next picture, uh, trash. Am I right? Here's the next picture. This is like treasure! Some amazing, valuable artifact. And here's the next picture. Or maybe you would go with trash. Or here's the next picture. Would you pick treasure? Or how about a lot of trash. And the, uh, the world is flooding your eyes with garbage. I don't know about you, but I feel like there are so many times where I'm either caught in the tractor beam of social media or binging something on Netflix or Hulu and sometimes just feeling like, man, this is just too much time on nothing. And God's word got a little dusty. I need to 
grab it and read it. Maybe you feel the same way. Or maybe you feel like you're watching a show and getting into it and suddenly it's getting dirty. Your conscience is going off like a smoke detector, right? And you're like, I don't know if I should be watching this. Decision point, what are your standards? Christians need to have tremendous restraint when it comes to media. Sometimes I'm surprised to find out Christians who have no filter in what they will put before their eyes. I don't have a list of do's and don'ts when it comes to shows, but I know some of the shows, and I know some of the producers of the shows have said, we are out to make this the most crass and unbelievably profane show on television. When I hear a Christian saying, that's my favorite, I'm like, so you have no filter, none. You're putting worthless, vain, and vulgar things in front of your eyes. It pollutes the soul. It pollutes the soul. How are you doing at differentiating what is treasure from what is trash? How are you doing at putting God's Word in front of your eyes and and turning away from things that can pollute you? And so going on in verse 72, we'll put that up on the screen, it says this, The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Better. Door number one, God's Word. Door number two, thousands of pieces of gold and silver. I'll take door number one. Is that really your heart? Does the way that you treat this book show how much you treasure it? Psalm 119, 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. So, so not just on Sunday, but all day long, I'm thinking about what's going on in the world and how it ties into God's word. What I'm facing in life and kind of what God has told me about these challenges. Opportunities that I'm seeing and how I, could, how I should pray about that. I'm meditating on it. I'm thinking about it, right? That shows that you value it. Psalm 119, 103 How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Now we're talking food, right? We all understand food. How are are we when we taste God's word? Are we like, yummy? Or are we like, bleh? Tasting, right? Here's Here's a video of a baby who gets its first taste of sweet potatoes. Check it out. Ready for some sweet potato, Emily? Oh, I'm so hungry. Oh, this looks delicious. Oh, boy. Love the faces. Uh, now, here's another video of a baby getting its first taste of bacon. Is, is that good? Bacon. Check it out. <laughs> Burger. Bacon. 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 I love that. Is God's word sweeter than honey? When, when someone tells you about the Bible or you hear a sermon or you open it up and read it, are you like, wow, <laughs> this is just, or are you like, because there are people in the world where you start talking about what God's word says and it's like, they, it's, it's repugnant to them. And maybe to you, it's like you feel like Sunday morning, you have to come to church and some preachers just stuffing you full of asparagus. And then you, you leave church and you're like, Bleh! you just 
puke it out of your mouth and don't let it settle in your soul. You certainly don't see it as like, this is food that I need to survive this life. And it's delightful. It's like delightful. The idea of hungering and thirsting for righteousness is a portrait of you desiring God, right? You're, you're panting for it like water, like, like you need it. You know you need it to live. The whole world, the whole universe is held up by the word of God. And, and you see that and you're like, how much more do I need this to hold my universe up? I need God's word. Everything in this whole world came when God spoke. Therefore, it's the Word of God that holds everything together. When we know that, Christians, we get in this book because it is our life. Oh, how I love your law. Verse 127, therefore, I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. Is that your heart right now? Hey, walk, don't wander. Treasure, don't trash. Jot this down, number three. Remember, don't forget. Remember, don't forget. So one more theme running through Psalm 119 is that we are prone to forget. We're prone to not remember, especially when life is hard, we will lose sight of what God has said to us. So when life is hard, are you remembering or are you forgetting? Are you clinging to God's promises or are are you losing your grip? Maybe you, you know what God's word says, but suddenly you're having a hard time preaching the gospel to yourself because of a trial. When life gets hard, don't we get Bible amnesia? And we start ranting to someone, and now this is going wrong, and now this is going wrong, and now this is going wrong. And then it's like we don't even remember how to apply God's word to that. Some verses from this theme would be verse 61. Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. Being ensnared by the wicked, right? They've got you all wrapped up and tied up and you feel like you've got nowhere to go. I don't forget your law. It's so easy for difficult people to derail us, right? I'm doing great. I'm feeling fine. Then she shows up. Now I'm not doing great. Now I'm not doing fine. I'd be fine if it, if it wasn't for him. Difficult people can derail us. In verse 67, it says this, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. So the point here is this. I was going astray. I, I was doing bad stuff. I wasn't living life the way I should. Then I was afflicted. God punished me called me out, took me to task. Life got hard because of my sin. I've had many pastoral meetings with people on the front end of their sin, and I've said, you're about to go round one with God. It's not going to be pretty. Well, we'll see. One, two, three months go by, and then I, I've, I've come back in a very short period of time and sat down with a person who no longer looks like themselves. They've lost tremendous amount of weight. Their nerves are fried. Some, if, because maybe they got some medical diagnosis or they got into a car accident or whatever. And I'll sit back down with them and I'll say, you just went round one with God. Are you ready to go round two with God? And some of them are. Don't tell me what to do. All right? 
some of them wake up and they drop the attitude and they return to the Lord. Amazing things have happened. I mean, and I'm not saying this is the way it always works, but I'm saying I've had several of these conversations. Sometimes I, I check in with people, they're on round 10 with God. Delusional, hallucinating, spiritually oppressed, addicted. I'm like, I don't know what it's going to take to get you to realize that this, this path of life has cost you everything. People I know who were on the road to seminary to becoming pastors, and now they're nothing. They've lost it all. And they're still clinging to garbage. And I'm like, it's time to come back. And maybe this is where you are right now. Your way is not working. You know it. And God knows it. And it says here, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but discipline brought them back. But now I keep your word. Hey, are you afflicted? Have you gone astray? Is it time to come back? It says in verse 43, Trouble and anguish have found me out, but your commandments are my delight. I like this thought. <laughs> Trouble and anguish, they found me. Like dogs, they were hunting me. Now they got me. But your commandments are my delight. Even when trouble and anguish are coming, some people in trouble and anguish find them. They're like, oh, fine. Why would I stay with God? Look what he's allowing to happen to me. And they drift. Pain. Verse 165. Or actually, verse 147. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. I love that. I've got problems. I'm getting up early. I'm in the Word, I hope in your words, and I'm crying out. It's getting loud. Maybe you've never gotten to that point. I've gotten to that point where you're getting nobody's home, and you get loud. You use your outdoor voice with God. And maybe it's time for that. Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. I love that thought. So I've got trouble. And I, and I love the law. I'm sticking in God's word, right? And then nothing can make me trip. We've all tripped. We've all slipped. We've all fallen down. Sometimes it's embarrassing. You never want people to see it happen, right? But if you're following God's law, you won't trip and stumble in a way that will lead to serious permanent damage. You, the righteous man falls down, but seven times he rises up, right? He, he gets back on the trail. But the wicked will fall to their destruction, never to rise again. That's the difference. And in 176, it says this, I've gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Even if you feel like you got off track, God, find me and bring me back. I can't even find my way back. God, find me and walk me, walk me back. That's the last verse of the psalm. So walk, don't wander. Treasure, don't trash. Remember, remember, don't forget, especially when life is hard. Don't, don't drift from God's word when life gets hard. Stay in it. Cling to it. Make it your anchor, and God will meet you there. And then write this down. Prepare, don't provoke. Prepare, don't provoke. One other theme that goes through Psalm 119 is the idea that what God's word has taught us 
is preparing us for what's coming. Really, everything in this life is God's way of alerting you to spiritual realities that you can't see. This life is not the best of all possible worlds. It was never meant to be that. It's the best possible means to the best possible world. So we're supposed to see things that are happening and realize there's an eternal realm and get ready for that. That's why we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because we know things down here aren't the way they're supposed to be. So we're supposed to prepare not to provoke. So in verse 120, it says this, My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I'm afraid of your judgments. Hey, have you ever truly feared God's judgment? I remember when I was in college and really wrestling with God and trying to figure out what religions teach and what the Bible teaches, and I had so much, you know, just, it was just such a struggle. And I remember one day lying awake at night, looking up at the ceiling and actually feeling like I'm going to hell. I haven't settled all this with God. I'm wrestling with him and rejecting him and denying him. I'm going to hell. I remember having a conversation with my friend a couple days after that. I said, do you know you're going to heaven? He said, yeah. I said, I don't. We got an argument, whatever, and got out of the car at night, went, went back in the house. And I, but I had said it. I had said it. Maybe you've never gotten to that realization. I'm not going to heaven. If you don't have Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you should be terrified of God's judgments. He's, he's, he's put enough in here, right? Noah filled the world with water, men, women, gone. The whole world. The whole world. You realize that, right? Sodom and Gomorrah turned a volcano upside down charred the whole city. Lot was a little reluctant to get out. And his wife too. And then what happened? She looked back, turned to a pillar of salt. Okay. Pharaoh, plague, 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 death, plague. Nope, 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 snooze, 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 snooze. All the firstborn children in the nation dead. It wasn't until Pharaoh held his own firstborn son dead in his arms that he feared the Lord. He started that whole contest by saying, who is the Lord that I should fear him? The body count on that defiance was astronomical. His entire army got drowned in the Red Sea. Sometimes people mistake the Old Testament God. Well, he seemed upset and he was kind of, that's, that's the God of anger and law, but then Jesus showed up. If you read the book of Revelation, you ain't seen nothing yet. The world's going to be destroyed by fire. And have you feared the judgments of the Lord? Have you, what, what else, what more does he need to do to convince you that judgment is terrible? And that's just on earth. Then we face his judgment in eternity and uh, the lake of fire is a very real place. Heaven and hell are both real places, and people are there right now. Right now, people are there. Maybe people you know. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I'm afraid of your judgments. Is that you? 136. My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. So this is another one. Some people might get to the point where they're like, yeah, <laughs> 
I want to go to heaven. I trust Jesus as Savior and Lord. I got baptized. I told everybody about my faith. Well, what about everyone else? Well, they're good. They can believe whatever they want. Huh? You don't even care about where they're going to spend eternity? Well, I don't want to offend. See, but that benefits you because you don't have to do the work of offending them. It's not for, no one's going to go off to an eternity of torment and be like, thanks for not ruffling my feathers. You're not doing them a solid. You're really giving yourself a pass. And my eyes shed streams of tears. Have you wept for the lost in your life because they live in a way that's not in line with God's law? My eyes shed streams of tears. Too often Christians today, not only are they not weeping for the world and its depravity and its sin, they're running around high-fiving everybody in their sin. And you get a high-five and you get a high-five and you're great and you're great and I don't care what you do and you're good. And Again, not good for them. Good for you. Well, not good for you either. If we deny Christ before men, he will deny us before the Father. My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. Verse 111 to 112. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart. See, it's the heart. It's not because I have to. It's because I want to. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. Prepare. Don't provoke. Prepare based on what you find in God's word. Don't provoke. Uh, Hasten to follow him. Don't delay. Look ahead. Don't look back. Prepare, don't provoke. Today might be one more opportunity for you to give your life to Christ, to align your life with God's word once and for all. This could be one more opportunity. There are times when people get their last chance. And if you're not in a right relationship with God, today or in the near future, you might get your last chance to turn your life around, to turn your feet, to walk in the way of God's word. And I want, I want you to turn to the word of God and live before you appear before God in judgment. Hey, let's face it. We live in a distracted age. And truth is lost at sea in an ocean of absurdity. Our own appetites for worldly nonsense consumes us and distracts us and destroys us. And therefore, it's time to feast our souls on what's true and good, the Word of God. It's time to fill our eyes with the Word of God. It's time to align our lives with God's Word. It's time to make this the lamp that we follow through all of the terrible traps and pitfalls of this life. Do you have a devotion plan? We always give out some tools on the way out the table immediately to your right outside the door. Read through the Psalms. You can read through the the whole book of Psalms check off as you get through it. You can even read through books of the Bible. You've got a Bible, whole Bible map where you can check what you've read. But hey, let's set a goal that we are going to get in God's word every day this week and let him speak to us. Hey, let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Father, thank you for this song about your word. And it's, it's time for a reality check. Where are we with your word? Father, I just ask that you would help us, Lord, to, just as this psalm does, to just treasure your word above all else. Lord, help us to walk in it, not to wander away from it. Remind us what you have said when life gets hard. Help us to not forget. We're so forgetful. 
And Lord, may we prepare for the world to come. May we not provoke you. May, may we prepare by living in line with your commands. And Lord, maybe there are some here today and they've, they've never fully surrendered to the word of God. They have never looked into the perfect law that gives freedom and said, I hear about Jesus who came into this world to save sinners and I believe God's word. They've never called out, cried aloud and, and received that peace that surpasses understanding. Maybe for the first time, this is their chance today to say, I believe God's word. Jesus, save me. Prepare a place for me in heaven. Lord, but maybe for us who've walked with you for a long time, it's just time to get back. It's time to get the worthless, vain, vulgar pollution out of our eyes and to fix our eyes on you. To find great and delightful things in your word. To feed our souls so we're not starving. Lord, I just pray that you would meet us in your word this week and give us great times where we encounter you. Show us your glory in your word. Strengthen us for the journey. Prepare us, O oh Lord, to appear before you in judgment day. Thank you that your word promises that we can come before you unashamed and with great joy. May that be so. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.